Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Wednesday, April the 9th. This week we're focusing on a research article in the Lancet and this concerns the intriguing question of whether cash payments could be used as a potential intervention to increase the uptake of hepatitis B vaccination among injecting drug users. To find out more, let's speak to one of the authors of the study, introducing himself. I'm Professor John Strang. I'm head of department for the addictions group at the Institute of Psychiatry in King's College, London. Professor Strang, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Uh, You're one of the authors of an intriguing study we're publishing Wednesday, April the 9th. And intriguing because it's looking at this uh, an area of cash incentives for a public health problem, that is uptake of hepatitis B vaccination among a specific population injecting drug users. Lots to talk about here, but just, just a little bit of context. Um, what other uh, um, cash incentive programs have been used in, in a sort of um, developed country? I mean, my experience of cash incentive studies tend to have been done in sub-Saharan Africa where you're trying to encourage uptake of, uh, sort of primary care services. There's a moderate uh, research literature um, almost all of it from North America, uh, looking at whether a voucher reinforcement approach can shape the behavior of people uh, with a a range of addictive behaviors, mainly illicit drug use. Uh, But what particularly triggered uh, the program of work, which we initiated a few years ago, uh, was a review from NICE, the uh, National Institute of Clinical Health Excellence, uh, where in a nice guideline uh, that came out in 2007, uh, the, the apparent power of this contingency management approach was highlighted. And that, I think, lies at the, at the heart of not only this paper, but the program of work that we're doing. Uh, so it's perhaps not surprising that uh, by using small Uh, voucher reinforcements, you can improve the achievement of various objectives. But what really struck the NICE guideline group, and which this paper confirms, is the surprisingly large effect. So the fact that it exists isn't of that much interest, but the size of the effect is of interest. Now, the, the second aspect of particular interest in this trial is that this is uh, looking at a short-term irreversible gain. Um, The excellent thing about hepatitis B vaccination uh, is you only need it to work on three occasions to get the three vaccination jabs to have achieved a benefit for life. In a way, that's one of the more straightforward health gains to achieve. And a later discussion might be, um, isn't it more challenging to get people to change their behavior and to stay changed? And we can come on to that at a later point. Sure. Just going in uh, specifically about hepatitis B vaccination, because obviously among a population of injecting drug users, which we're talking about here, clearly drug users by sharing needles, etc., are at an increased risk of hepatitis. So therefore, hepatitis B vaccination is paramount presumably the obvious thing to say but presumably the public health problem is that even though it's a relatively straightforward vaccination but you, you, there need to be three jams done i think over a three-month period actually compliance to it 
is challenging. In a way, one would hope that this wasn't necessary. You would hope that um, that you were able to say, here's an important vaccination, surely it should be done, and both the patient population uh, and the services would succeed in getting 100% vaccination rate of the people that they're in contact with. Uh, in reality, uh, it turns out to be something like 10 to 20% success rate in getting completed vaccination in the group who could benefit from it. And that's been uh, despite the fact that there have been uh, government documents identifying injecting drug users as a priority group for vaccination. Uh, and despite the fact that uh, in all debates, people consistently identify them as a priority group. So what we have here is a system successfully identifying the priority status, but then failing to convert that into efficient implementation. Just briefly walk us through top-line details of, of the um, design of the study, uh, the participants involved, and the key findings. We were interested in seeing whether a short-term irreversible gain could be achieved. Could you take uh, a poorly performing system uh, where, as far as we knew, only about 10 to 20 percent were completing uh, their hepatitis B vaccination, and could you turn that around uh, with a voucher incentive scheme? And uh, we uh, conducted uh, a cluster randomized trial. Uh, so we had uh, 210 patients uh, from 12 different clinics, and the clinics themselves were randomized. Uh, so the, the cluster randomized design, meaning uh, that within each clinic, uh, everybody had the same intervention, but you randomize your clinics instead of your individual patients. And uh, we then looked at uh, the control group of uh, treatment as usual, uh, where we were encouraging vaccination, but there was no voucher incentive scheme. Uh, we compared that with uh, a £10 voucher scheme uh, that if you came for the three vaccination injections uh, on time, uh, on each occasion you'd get a £10 voucher. And then we also tested uh, an uh, an escalating schedule where the value of the incentive increased, but we wanted the overall value to be the same. So instead of £10, £10 and £10, uh, it went £5, £10, £15. From our 210 uh, patients in the 12 clinics, uh, a third of them had treatment as usual. A, a third of them had a fixed value voucher incentive scheme and a third of them had an escalating value incentive scheme. Uh, and, and then we just looked at how many had completed their vaccination uh, by the end of the first month and the whole vaccination was meant to be completed in 21 days. Uh, so measured them at, uh, at the end of a month uh, and then we also measured them at the end of three months to see whether in a way late stragglers might improve the figures further. What we found uh, was a huge difference. Uh, if we're looking at the uh, completion rates uh, at the end of that first month, uh, we have only 9% in the treatment as usual group having completed their vaccinations uh, by the end of the first month, uh, compared with 45% uh, in the fixed value voucher scheme 
uh, and 49% in the escalating uh, value voucher scheme. So both of the voucher schemes uh, converted a 9% completion rate to a, to at least a 45% completion rate. Interestingly, of course, I guess the implications from this, I mean, it's a very pragmatic approach to a public health problem. You've got some, some, some clear results here. How do you see this going forward in terms of taking forward these findings into policy? Perhaps the other important feature of the trial is that it's conducted in ordinary NHS treatment clinics. So uh, in the voucher incentive scheme, as far as we're aware, this is a first uh, for it to be done in ordinary clinics. Most of the previous study of contingency management has been from dedicated teams of psychologists um, versed in uh, behavioral management. Uh, This established that this works in ordinary clinical practice. And so the, the first level conclusion I think one would take away is that we have a powerful solution to the poor performance of hepatitis B vaccination. Uh, for a, a very modest voucher incentive scheme, you can convert your uh, current poorly performing vaccination programs uh, into programs that are at least um, moderately successful. Uh, to, to be achieving only 50% vaccination still means there's considerable room for further improvement, uh, but it's massively better um, than, tri- than treatment as usual. That also then means that one begins to look around that if we can tackle this problem so successfully, uh, not only could we perhaps do better with uh, further refinement of the voucher scheme, but also are there other behaviours of this patient population uh, that we could also manage to address uh, with with a similar voucher reinforcement scheme? Such as? The next stage in our programme of studies, uh, we're looking at whether we can uh, both improve attendance records uh, that patients attending and staying in treatment and uh, attending on time, and also delivering uh, drug-free urine, so heroin-free urines if they're in treatment for their heroin addiction. Those objectives are, in a way, a next-generation objective from the objective in this trial. In this trial, we needed three successes in a row to get the vaccination program done uh, within the month. Uh, For this next generation of trials, we're looking at people changing their behavior and maintaining that for a three-month period. We don't know the results of that. We're, half, we're partway through that trial, and in a year or two's time, we'll be able to report on that. How do you see these data, these findings, being sort of interpreted in the public health and, and the wider medical community? Because whilst you've got, this is clearly a very pragmatic approach to a public health problem, there are sort of philosophical, ethical uh, issue, issues that some people might raise about the, the, the very nature of paying people incentives to, to, to pursue a, a health benefit, particularly if it's related to something like drug addiction. It's not always the most sympathetic area, is it, in all, in all areas? I wonder how you anticipate um, the reaction might be. You're absolutely right to raise the issue about uh, how does this fit with our concept of the nature of the problem that somebody has and the treatment response that should be provided. In choosing the construction of the voucher incentive scheme, we've deliberately chosen a value 
which is which is very modest. I think it has to become an area that we need to study whilst we're doing these trials about what's the nature of the effect of a voucher scheme. It isn't to do with the financial value of the scheme. Uh, with the hepatitis B vaccination and certainly with the subsequent trials that we're in the process of doing at the moment, it's probably more to do with the sense of shared commitment to the therapeutic objective. So just like anyone whose kids have been through school and have um, had a star chart uh, to do with their performance, uh, the the star chart is not to do with any cash value to it. it it's to do with the sense of personal achievement and affirmation um, of the work being done. And it's probable that this scheme works in much the same way. But if that's the case, we need to, in a way, open the bonnet and look at the machinery of how this is working, uh, particularly for future work where we want to bring about behavior changes that are then enduring over time. But in principle, you're saying at the moment you 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 don't you don't have a sort of philosophical or ethical problem with the the potential use the tactic of cash payments per se. I think I'd actually turn the question around the other way, and I'd say to you that uh, if I have a mechanism through a voucher reinforcement scheme to change a nine percent completion rate for vaccination to a forty five percent completion rate. Um, on what ethical grounds would I not use that to achieve that better vaccination rate in patients who are wanting the vaccination? If some of those patients in treatment as usual fail to be vaccinated and they and their families become a chronic hepatitis B infected and develop cirrhosis and liver cancer because I didn't use a therapeutic tool that I now know is in my armamentarium, I think the ethical issue would be on what grounds had I not used it. I'm fully aware that's a strange way of viewing it because we don't normally think of a voucher reinforcement scheme as being a therapeutic tool. But I think the important point to grasp here uh, is, is that this isn't payment in the way that payment ordinarily exists. This is a behavioural intervention, and as such, it, it's a treatment in itself. There's an interesting comment as well by uh, Thomas McClellan alongside your article, which I encourage people to, to read as well. But uh, no, that's terrific. Um, very interesting discussion. We'd better draw it to a close. But in the meantime, Professor John Strang on the line from the National Addiction Centre, King's College London. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you very much indeed. And thank you all for listening. See you next time.